you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Good morning, church. <clears throat> First, to start off, when I when I was given the the uh, scripture for this morning, there was a semicolon and then some parentheses. So there's a, a whole other section of uh, today's reading that, that we didn't share in the in the bulletin, but it ties into our our uh, our lesson today. But I'll kind of explain that when when we get to it. But we were just talking about youth this morning, talking about singing new songs. Um, I was reminded of when I was a youth. Back then, we were called UMYFers. I don't know if y'all use that term here. But we were called UMYFers back, back in the day. And uh, the, our conference, where we come from, we would go to this one camp in New Mexico. It's called uh, Sacramento, New Mexico. And we lived in deep south Texas, so it took us, a, it's a 14-hour trip if you're going like in a, in a car by yourself, but with... Uh, three, three buses full of, you know, 50 kids in each bus. It took about 20, 25 hours to get there. And so you take this long trip, but then you get there and you go up this mountain. And it's, uh, it's right next to Alamo Gordo, the, uh, where White Sands is in New Mexico. It's in the middle of, of uh, the Lincoln National Forest. So you go up this mountain and your ears start, start popping and you're on the side of a, side of a mountain so the, everybody thinks the bus is going to fall over. And you get to the top, and they're just, you're surrounded by beauty. You know, uh, well, we didn't have cell phones uh, back then, but now when you go up there, about halfway up there, you start losing service, you know, so you see all the kids with their phones trying to get service, trying to get the last TikTok in before we get up there. <laughs> so you get up there, and then you're cut off from the world. You're in a bubble, you know, and, 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 and but when you first get there, it's kind of like, oh, I don't have my phone, I can't talk to anybody. I'm stuck here out in the middle of, of nowhere. I don't know half the people here. I, I can't wait to go home. It's the first day. We're going to be there a whole week. Can't wait to get home. I want to get home. But so, something happens during, the, the, during that week that by the time Friday comes around, you don't want to leave. You're surrounded by the presence of God. You're surrounded by other people who also want to uh, sing and worship and glorify God. You know, you're, you're away from everything, from the real world. You're stuck, you're in this bubble up there. And so by Friday you get there, by, by the time Friday comes around, I don't want to go home. I want to stay here. You want to stay up on that mountain. You want to continue that mountaintop experience. Which brings us to today's text. We hear, we're, we're discussing another mountaintop experience here with Jesus, and he, he brings up James, uh, Peter, James, and John to pray. But we need to add a little bit more context to this scripture. The telling of Jesus' trans, transfiguration is told in, in the Synoptic Gospels. That means it's in Mark, uh, Mark Luke, and, and Matthew. Matthew, Mark... Mark and Luke. And, and they're told, and they're told in, in similar ways, before, before the transfiguration and after transfiguration. 
We start with Peter's confession when Jesus asks him, who do you say I am? And Peter says, the Messiah. And then Jesus foretells the passion. And then Peter rebukes Jesus. And then Jesus tells Peter, puts Peter in his place. And then we get to the transfiguration. And then following the transfiguration is this other section that I, I was mentioning earlier is where Jesus heals, the, casts out a demon from a young boy. And then after that, Jesus predicts his, the passion again. And those, those are, are paralleled in, in the three synoptic gospels. So now we fast forward eight days from when, when Jesus has told uh, Peter and the disciples that he's going he's gonna to be betrayed, he's going to be killed, and he's going to come back after three days. And we find ourselves on that mountaintop eight days later. And we find that in, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus prays, or, or, or in that Gospel, it's, it's noted that Jesus prays various times. So this is another time when Jesus is in prayer, he's in deep prayer, and then all of a sudden, he begins to change. It says his, his, his face, the appearance of his face was changed. And then his clothes became dazzling white like a, like a flash of lightning. And it's here where we begin to see some of the parallels, not only with the Synoptic Gospels, but with the Old Testament. It reminds us of another time, as we read in, in, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament reading, of when Moses was on Mount Sinai and he was in the presence of God. And when he came down from the mountain, he was also radiant. But not in the same way as Jesus was radiant. Moses was radiant because he was, refle he was reflecting the, the, the glory of God. That was, the, that was the effect that it had on him, that he came down and his, his face was still uh, radiating that, the glory of God, so he, he put a veil on it. And we also see that Moses also brought, brought down the law. He brought down the commandments to, to the people of God. But now when we look at Jesus and his appearance, his change in his appearance, it's not that he's radiating the glory of God. It's that he is the glory of God. He's the source. This is where the light comes from. That's why it's not him reflecting what God has for him. It's him showing his divine nature. In the midst of his human nature, in the presence of, of Peter, uh, James and John. And in this case, Jesus is the law. He is the word. So we see how, we're also we're talking about the transfiguration, we're talking about incarnation, we're talking, uh, there's, there's a ton of information in the midst of this, this passage. And I, I won't lie, if you, if you looked at my notes, I probably had like a three-hour sermon before I had to whittle. I can't do that? Oh, uh, Bear with me, bear with me. <laughs> so then suddenly, this, this happens, and then two men appear, Moses and Elijah. And there's more of this parallel uh, telling going on, because Moses is representing the law, and Elijah is representing the prophets. And they each had their, mount, their mountaintop experience in the Old Testament, Moses on Mount Sinai, as well as, as Elijah. 
And it says they appeared in glory. That they're, with, they're there with Jesus and they appeared in glory. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a Star Wars kid. So I remember the original trilogy. There's this thing called the uh, Force Spirits. So you see it first with Obi-Wan Kenobi and then Yoda and then Anakin uh, at the end. So I kind of imagine it like that, you know, just kind of like they're, they're there, but you don't, you don't know why they're there. So it's kind of like the experience that Peter's having viewing Jesus, that there's, it went from just being Jesus to three people. And I believe that Moses and Elijah were sharing in this glory. And they were having a conversation with Jesus, and they were talking about his departure. And what's the Greek word for departure? It's Exodus. The, the Greek translation for departure is Exodus. So here we see more parallel. And, in the, and then they're discussing Jesus' departure, which he is about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And the Greek translation for accomplish is to be filling or to be completing. He's fulfilling the prophecy. Moses and Elijah. But today we're going to focus a little bit more on the Exodus part of this. So if we look at Jesus' Exodus, his departure, it draws us back to that parallel with Moses. But in Moses' case, when, he, when, when Moses led the Exodus, he was, he was leading God's people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. He brought them, he brought them freedom from that. And he brought the law with he brought the law also during the Exodus. <clears throat> but with Jesus, it's a different type of Exodus. It's through Jesus' passion that he's gonna, he's gonna free not only the Jews, but all people from slavery and bondage. But not physical, from sin. He's, his passion is gonna free us from that bondage. And it goes on to say that from there, <clears throat> Moses and Elijah are about to leave. And here we see where Peter jumps, jumps into action. Peter like, Peter sees that they're about to leave and Peter's in the midst of his mountaintop experience. Here he is on top of this mountain, not knowing why he was going up there with Jesus, Jesus told him, we're going to go up to the mountain to pray. Okay, we're going to pray. And then all of a sudden, he's in the midst of the presence and the glorification of Jesus on top of the mountain. And I think I would have acted like, like Peter as well. I wouldn't blame him for his reaction. I probably would have acted the same way. But imagine the weight of everything that Peter has experienced in these past eight days. Everything that Jesus is sharing with him and the other disciples doesn't make sense. It's like, what are you talking about? But at some point, Peter kind of understands, okay, you're the Messiah. So they have this one image of the Messiah. It's probably a, a warrior, mighty warrior, uh, somebody who's going to lead, lead the people into victory. But nothing makes sense in, in the things that Jesus is saying. He's saying, like, no, I'm going to be spat on. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be entombed, and then on the third day, I'm going to raise again. And it doesn't make sense to them. 
So imagine this. Uh, if you can put up that slide from right here. Do I have any elementary kids in here right now? Okay, Edie, don't look at this because I don't want you to get it messed up when, when they ask you uh, math at school. <laughs> My wife's a first grade teacher, so she may, she may uh, rebuke me here also. Out of these four equations up here, which one is right? Okay, so give you, to give you a little bit of background, my undergrad is in, is in computer science. And so when you get into computer science, you start dealing with different types of math. Uh, and especially when I started, back then you had to learn assembly language and machine level language and you know, ones and zeros and, and all those different types of, uh, of math. So to let you know, all these are right. Uh, can you go to the next slide? The first one's right because it's in base two. The second one's right because it's in base eight. And the, fi the final two are right because they're in hexadecimal. Doesn't make sense, right? If I gave you these equations and I told you these are all right and I didn't give you a little bit of background, if y'all wanna ask me after church, I can explain it to you a little bit more. I, I don't have enough time. I was gonna do a whole lesson in PowerPoint and boards. Room 10. Room 10 afterwards. If I don't give you the background, if I, don't, if I don't tell you what's going on, you're not going to understand. And even if I do at first, you're probably not going to get it. You're probably, it doesn't make sense to me. That's what, that's what the disciples were going through. Jesus was telling them everything that was going to happen, and they were like, okay, okay. You know, but I'm sure when Jesus wasn't around, they're saying, I don't understand what he's talking about. I don't get it. So here we see Peter's going through these same lessons that, that, that Jesus is, is, uh, is teaching them, Peter was asked by Jesus in Matthew 16 who he was, and he answered correctly. And so, woohoo, I got the answer right. And then Jesus gives him something more, which leads Jesus to say that he would be the rock that the church would be built on. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Oh, man, like, just because I got the answer right? And then he kind of starts to feel himself, and he's getting a little confident. So when Jesus starts talking about the passion, Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I rebuke you. But then Jesus puts him, puts him in his place. And we'll continue to see that, that, Jesus, that uh, Peter wants, he wants the, the divine experience to, to stay in the human experience. He wants everything that's happening but he wants to, to be right where, it's, right where he's at. He's not looking at the ultimate divine plan. Then Jesus starts to, to speak about denying yourself and taking up your cross. Remember where we're at in, in this telling. They have no idea what the cross is. If I, if I, if I uh, quote the scripture, you know, deny yourself and take up your cross, everybody here knows what I'm talking about. But this was all brand new for them. They had no idea what Jesus was talking about. So imagine the confusion he and the other disciples are going through. Now he's, in the, he's on this mountaintop, he's having this experience, and he wants to preserve it in a human kind of way. He wants to remain there. He wants them to stay there. This is where it's at. I'm on my mountaintop experience. But wait doesn't end there. Y'all remember those commercials? There's more. The mountaintop experience is not over. 
Suddenly the cloud appears, and they're in awe. And God's Shekinah glory, his voice says, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And as we were talking about earlier, Jesus was teaching them all these lessons, and they were probably saying, like, I don't know what Jesus is talking about. But here, God is verifying what, what Jesus was saying. This is my chosen one. Listen to what he says. And here again, we see the parallel of when God, at, uh, at Jesus' baptism, when God spoke and, and commissioned Jesus in his ministry. And now we see that God is commissioning Jesus at the end of his ministry, at the beginning of, of, of his, uh, his entrance into Jerusalem. But now they've heard it in person, from the source. And God instructs them, instructs them to listen to Jesus and share with him. So now it's time to go down the mountain and we get to this other section of, of, of the, the scripture that, that we haven't read this morning. In the Mark and Matthew telling of, of the transfiguration, as they're descending down the mountain, Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody what you've seen up here because they're not ready for it. You know, there's going to come a point in time where it clicks. And of course, that's when we celebrate Pentecost and everything starts making sense at that point. But we're not at that point. And so he says, just keep it to yourselves. And they do. And it says, keep it to yourselves until the Son of Man rises. So they keep, they keep this, this experience to himself, but they're still questioning, what does he mean by the rising of the Son of Man? So we return to that Moses Exodus uh, parallel. When Moses came down from the mountain, that first time, what was going on? Were people ready and, and, and waiting for the, the, the word of God to come down? No. They were worshiping idols and, and being unfaithful to God and, and just doing what they wanted to do. They were impatient. They didn't wait on God. And here we see when, when uh, Jesus, James, Peter, and John come down from the mountain, they, they, they reach the other disciples, and there's a commotion going on. And a man comes up to Jesus and says, "Teacher, would you please heal my, would you please heal my son?" He goes into convulsions and it's it's hurting him, it's killing him. I asked your disciples to cast out the, the demon, but they couldn't. And Jesus, what seems to me, shows some some sense of frustration. He says, "How long am I going to be among y'all, you you unfaithful people?" And like that, he cast out the demons. Now it says in the, in the Mark uh, telling of, the, uh, of this story, the disciples ask him, why, why weren't we able to cast out the demons? And Jesus said, because you didn't pray. This type of a demon is only, can only be cast out through prayer. They tried everything they, they knew how to do in their own strength. They probably even, they probably even uh, tried to cast out the demon in the name of Jesus. But they, they weren't connected to the Father. They weren't connected through the Father through prayer and communion with the Father. They were trying to do it on their own knowledge. Does that sound familiar? How many of us do that? You know, like, oh, when we get into a bind, 
like, oh, I need to do this, or how, do I, how can I do that? We, we forget to go to the source. But in the midst of the, of the unfaithfulness, Jesus is still present, and he still heals. We're called to rely on the divine source of God. This is an example that Jesus portrayed, especially in Luke, that he went to prayer several times to be in communion with God. And I remember coming down from, from the, the camp in Sacramento, and we're singing those songs like, like Chad was, was sharing back then when I was a youth. It was, it only takes a spark. I don't know if y'all remember that song. I was like, ooh, I'll shout it from the mountain. Praise God. All right, we got some, we got some here. So we're coming down the mountain, and I would feel like Peter. I remember I would feel like Peter. I wanted to pitch my tent and stay there. I wanted to stay in the presence of God. Why would I want to leave this place where I'm in communion with God? Why do I have to go back to the real world? Now, there's different reasons why we don't want to come down the, come down the mountain back to the valley. And for, our, and for in my case, in, back in Texas, I, I lived in the Rio Grande Valley, so it was literally going from the mountain to the valley. We find ourselves when we're in those mountaintop experiences that we don't want to leave. We don't want to leave the experience. In my case, in the camp experience, I didn't want to leave my friends, my new friends, because that meant one person was in Dallas and I was in uh, McAllen or Corpus, wherever it may be. There's distance there. It's no longer easy. I don't see them every day. But I had it good. I mean, when I went back home, I had parents that loved me. I was in a good environment. You know, once I got back, you know, everything was, was, was better. But for others, it's a world where they don't want to return to. They're avoiding returning and going down that mountain to a world that lacks love, a world that hates, where they experience broken homes, abuse of some sort, a pandemic, illness, racial strife, and war. If you're on that mountaintop experience, it's the last place I want to be. And I remember as we come down that mountain, about halfway down the mountain, remember halfway, halfway up, we lost cell phone, uh, cell phone signal. But halfway back down, ding, 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 ding. You just start hearing the phones going off. And that quickly we get distracted. Quickly we're back in the real world. We're like, oh yeah, it only takes a spark. We're back no longer in that mountaintop experience. So that's the challenge. How do we take the mountaintop experience and bring it down to the valley? How do we experience that mountaintop experience at our lowest lows? When we don't know where to turn, how do we do that? We're going to be entering in a time of Lent, in a time of, of fasting and lamentation. How do we bring that mountaintop experience into that? 
That's the challenge. We have the example that Jesus gave us. Remain in communion with God. Pray. It may not be a physical mountain that, that, we're, that we're actually experiencing. It may just be a, a time in our lives where we're in a good place with God, we're communing with God, we're praying with God daily. But when those tough times come, how do we remain in that? Even though it hurts, even though we don't want to pray, even though we don't understand what's going on, how do we remain in that mountaintop experience in the valley? So that's the challenge. Especially now with all that's going on around us. How do we remain in communion with God? How do we become the light that shines in the darkness? Where we can say, shine, Jesus, shine. Where we, we radiate and we don't have to wear a veil. And people can see God's light shine through us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. We pray that you, as you be with us, that you be with us right now, Lord, that we may commune with you, God, daily, from glory to glory, Lord, as we transform our lives into the image of what you have for us, Lord, what you want us to be, Lord. As we enter into the time of Lent, Lord, I ask that we reflect on our lives, Lord, that, that we ask you to, to transform our lives even more. As we celebrate communion this morning and we remember what you did on the cross, Lord. That it be our desire to want to be with you in communion, Lord, so that we can go and love the world and to serve you in the world, Lord. That we can show grace and love to all. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And as we move into communion, remind us of what you have for us. For it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.